Hey everyone, we're back with the District 3 Podcast, episode 163. Um, Today I'm joined by someone I met in the community a few years ago, um, but this is like the first time we've ever really sat down and had an in-depth conversation, uh, an important conversation that I think uh, we need to have more often. And the main topic, you know, we're going to be talking about alcoholism. Um, That is something that, you know, 140,000 people die of every year. Um, in the U.S. and three million people die every year also around the entire world because of alcohol abuse. Um, And it's something that needs to be talked about more, have more conversations, bring more awareness. Um, And the the person that's here today, he's also the owner of Natural State Title in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, His name is Victor Velasquez Jr. Thank you for joining us today, Victor. How are you? Oh, muy bien, muy bien, Urban. Great to be here, man. Thank you for having me. And uh, like I said, this is like the first, you know, in-depth conversation that we've had. Um, I met you at an event, uh, at a Naturals uh, baseball game that we were invited to by our mutual friend Eduardo uh, and Angel. And, uh, and at the same time, uh, when I met you, we, we, you talked about like your advocacy, you know, of, of talking about alcoholism, your experiences. I think your story is very powerful. And we talked a little bit about it before we started recording today. And I just think that's something that people need to listen to. I know that that's something that I probably need to learn from myself, you know, and that's, and that's why we're here. But I appreciate you making the time to be here today. Oh, no, thank you. I'll suit it up. I appreciate it. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, for me, uh, it was great to meet you at that game. And I think we ended up losing the Naturals. Yeah, yeah, we did. uh, (laughs) We don't talk about that, though. You know, (laughs) yeah, we're not. You know, when it comes to alcoholism, you know, uh, the the main thing about that is is that it doesn't discriminate. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's so, I'm not going to use the word sneaky, that, you know, alcohol is accepted all everywhere. So it it, kind of sneaks up on people, you know. But it, it is something that's very serious and that can cause us a lot of damage, not only in families, but with the law and all that. So I'm excited to be here. So anything I can do to help. Well, thank you. Uh, and like I said, your story is very powerful, and I want people to to learn about it. You're originally from from Texas, right? Oh yes, the Rio Grande Valley, Hidalgo, Texas, right I, by the border. What I, I tell people where Ramon Ayala's from, hey. man, Hidalgo, <laughs> Texas, man. You know, that's, that's where I'm from, a small town in the border. Mm. Uh, uh, Across the border is Reynosa and Tamaulipas, Mexico. It's Where's your, uh, like the family that wasn't born here in the U.S., where were they from? My my dad's family is from Tamaulipas, which okay. is right there, and my mom is from Monterrey. So. Okay, been there. Yeah. <laughs> love Monterrey, love the mountains over That's there. The Have you been there? Yeah, growing up, we used to go visit my grandma a oh. lot, you know, and uh, from the Colonia de Certuche, right there, that's right there on the Cerro de la Silla, the, the oh. famous mountain, in, the Saddle Mountain in Monterrey, the Cerro de la Silla. Monterrey's got one of the most beautiful soccer stadiums too. Have you seen it? Like it's like no. it's in Monterrey, and then the you can see it from the stands, the opening. You can see the the beautiful mountains really? in the back. Yeah, you need to Google that. It's really cool. Um, Monterrey. I've been there. Bad one back in two thousand ten. Who uh, wanted to take my family? I haven't been there in a long, long time. It used to be. Do you feel like it used to be much safer? To, oh to, man, growing up in the. I told. I was talking to a client yesterday. I was doing a closing, and and we were talking about growing. You know, we're getting older and. Letting them know, like, growing up in the border, like, that, that was beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful. We experienced both worlds, you know. Growing up, I'm I'm on the Texas side, but, you know, me and my friends in school, we, we used to just walk over. Yeah. Nine, 12-year-olds, <laughs> yeah. you know, Big walking over by ourselves to go get a haircut, get one of the trolebuses or something. Yeah. And, and, and then just coming back, you know, it was so safe. There was no... And to be honest, I haven't been in Mexico. I mean, I've, I've been through Progreso, which is like a little tourist town on the border. 
but it's it's just like crossing over and mm-hmm. they'll tell you stay on the street don't Oof. don't go sideways you know uh it's just a whole different world man man when i used to go even even uh as like late as like 2010 2008 2006 whenever we would travel to uh Chupicuaro, guanajuato mexico okay. uh i could still walk at night by myself yeah. like i'd be i'd be a young kid walking around without any concerns or anything nowadays like a lot of times you can't do that in places where, um, you know, there there are some some places in Mexico where the community is super strong. Everybody knows each other. And, yeah, you can do that. But in other areas, you just can't. And I, I'm envious when I hear from folks, you know, that got to got to cross the border back in like the 80s oh, and yeah. 70s and even the 90s. And, and things were just much, much simpler. It was it was a different world. You know, it, it, it's moved in a different direction. But growing up, I wouldn't exchange that for nothing, you know, right, mm-hmm. right there, you know, living both worlds, you know, from yeah. crossing over to going to visit friends in Las Colonias and going to parties. And mm. in Mexico back then, their law of, of alcohol wasn't that strict. So you got to be like, what, 16 to I drink over so, 13, 14, <laughs> walk into a bar like a grown man, yeah. play pool and even though they knew we were kids, you know, you felt safe. You mm-hmm. didn't feel out of place. You didn't feel threatened. You didn't feel like you were going to get hurt or kidnapped yes. or anything. So, And you're it, a second-generation generation yes. American, right? Yeah. Your parents my, were born in Texas? were born in Texas. Uh, my mom in San Benito and my dad right there in the Grand Valley. I mean, and what did your parents do for, for work when you were My, my dad up? was, uh, we were migrant workers growing up, and, and he ended up having a knack for those cotton gins. And um, what he would do during the off-season, he would work on these cotton gins, and then during the season he would run them. And, you know, he'd hire a little squad, mostly mm-hmm. family members and friends. And it was a pretty good life for mm-hmm. a while. It was a pretty good life. It, I think uh, my parents were also... Uh, well, I don't know what term to use because they, they were immigrants. I guess they were they were. were they immig- what were we talking about before the podcast? You said immigrants migrant. are like from another. A migrants are like we go up north because you know we ended up going up north, pick strawberry in Michigan, uh-huh. detasseled corn in Iowa and and uh, uh, Indiana, uh, tomato in Ohio. Uh-huh. Well, my parents were actually like they came from Mexico yeah. and, and moved to California and worked there in the. In the fields, like they worked in oh, the lettuce, okay. the yeah. la cebolla. Oh, that's, um, you know, they're farm workers, that's what we were. Yeah. I love la cebolla, man. I, I was talking to that lady yesterday because we were talking, because she was about my age. I said, man, I still remember those big scissors, man. I was big <laughs> to cut the onions. I smell those burlap sacks, oh. you know, filled with onions. And it's... I remember back in the day when my, my mom was the one that were re- they were working the onion fields and we would go to uh, her job to help, supposedly to help her, right? Yeah. But we'd just be there, like, just being a distraction. But we'd show up and, she, you know, she'd be, uh, like, put pretty much always, like, not on her knees, but, like, on her... Um, like, like, squatting down. Yeah, squatting oh, down yeah. Uh, for the cebolla and getting oh, them, the, putting them together. and Cutting up, putting them in there. Man, it's, it's, they, would, they would be there for, like, 10 hours oh, every yeah. day. And, and and you think about it now, you know. Sometimes whenever I'm I'm uh, have a job where I don't feel like that I love it as much, I'm like, man, like I can't even complain, nah. you know. Like it com- can't compare to what like our parents went yeah. through. You know, and, I'm, and I, when I was young, I didn't see it. Of course, nobody does when they're young, especially w- w- when your parents are working like that. But <clears throat> I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity, and I'm grateful that they made me. You know, wake yeah. up early, <clears throat> get the bus, pack your lunch. Mm-hmm. Get in the fields, you know. Uh, uh, I remember the first time I went to go pick strawberries in Michigan. I was like, I mean, strawberries, that's like a delicacy, you know. We mm-hmm. didn't have strawberries in our fridge, you yeah. know. <laughs> so when you go to a field full with strawberries, man, yeah. I got in trouble a couple of times because I was eating a bunch of them. As you should. You know, and, uh, <laughs> but, but the experience, you know, going from the small town in Texas and driving all the way to Michigan, 
you know, and being one of the first mm. few Hispanic people, brown people up there, um, you know, it was nice. People treated you right. They, they mm-hmm. you know, they were happy to see you, you know. Um, just the whole experience. Those summers were were beautiful, man, you know, with your family working and it's crazy how whenever your your parents are so busy with with work um, because they have to work, you know, during the morning and everything, what you know what happens with the lives of kids? Like I remember, you know, my parents working in the fields, getting out to like leaving at like six in the morning, getting home like at six p.m. and I would walk myself to to school. Oh yeah, and I was like six or seven years yeah. old. <laughs> Nowadays, you would not oh, let no. a six or or oh, a no. seven year old walk uh, um, like two miles. To, no. to by themselves and there was one time where like this white van tried to stop by and try to like lure me into yeah. <laughs> into the white van but luckily I, I had been told to not talk to strangers and to I didn't people, yeah. I didn't get in the white van who knows what would have happened if I did <laughs> um, but it's 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 also you know I, I think like we get taught at a at a small age um, to be hard workers um, and not necessarily to for the company's sake, but more as in like for ourselves, you know, for our, our own pride kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And, and it teaches you, you know, when I go to uh, a store today and I see a, a little package of strawberries, you know, mm-hmm. I, I see what it takes. Yeah. Not only from the people who are picking it like us, but the, the, even the farmers who are growing it, you know, who have workers go out there and do it, package it and how it ends up in a store, you know. And it's I tell my kids, you know, uh, uh, you know, because we always want what's best for our kids and try to softened the, the, the work a little. So mm-hmm. we're, we're in Florida at the beach and my kids are complaining. And I'm yeah. like, baby girl, when I was your age, I was picking tomatoes, you know, yeah. and I wasn't at the beach. Yeah. But but it it, it it helps me tell them that story and show them that, you know, uh, we need to be grateful for what we have. Yeah. You know, our parents, uh, I know I'm a little, I'm a lot older than you. So mm-hmm. my parents, their their main thing was to, to make it a little bit easier for us. And, mm-hmm. And from what they had, you mm-hmm. know, and my, I feel like that's my job to have it a little bit easier, but, but still teaching a little bit yeah. of principles and, and what work is, you know, uh, my, my telling the kids, my kids and anybody is when, when you see work as work, like it's always going to be like a shore. Mm-hmm. But when you see it as something that you want to do, that mm-hmm. you want to be helpful, like yeah. you see it, it's a different pair of glasses, you yeah. know, and it's a different attitude. Definitely, so, definitely. I think growing up in those, in that family, you know, it, it helped me out a lot. A lot. And can we also talk about, you know, your, your journey, um, you know, outside of uh, what led to you for you to come to Arkansas? Because I know it was a, a pretty tough one. You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, growing up, you know, uh, we we're talking about the drinking and, and you know, and, and, and for me, drinking is is is. Uh, it was like an escape, you know, I, I, uh, it made me feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, the best way that I can explain it, and there's a definition about alcoholism to if, if, if people feel I have a problem they have a problem the best way to look at it is if if when I'm if when I'm gonna drink I tell myself I'm not gonna drink that much and I try to mm-hmm. control it or when I tell myself I'm gonna stop and I can't mm-hmm. then I might have a problem you know growing mm-hmm. up drinking is you know it's just a normal thing you know we're uh, I'm, I'm from Mexican parents you know mm-hmm. we, we love to drink uh, uh, machismo and, and, oh, you and, have depression? How about you take a shot instead? <laughs> yeah, I could take a couple of shots or, or be a man and take it, you know, uh, or, or men don't show their feelings. But, you know, when, when I started drinking, it, it, it made me feel good and, and it would give me confidence. It would help me be a person that I've always thought I wanted to be. And little by little, it turned on me. And it, and it, it, it wasn't that I drank to have fun. I drank because I had to drink. And, mm-hmm. uh, and when I tried to stop, it, you know, uh, when you find out that you can't, even when you really, really, really want to stop, it, mm-hmm. it kind of scares you. 
and and asking for help is always going to be the hard problem you know uh, i think the hardest hurdle for anybody for me was going to another man and saying hey i need help can you please help me mm. um, but was it like a family member or was it like a professional i it was a, a, prof- a friend of a, a professional it was a professional mm. uh, by the time i ended up getting in trouble with the law i ended up getting in trouble with all because of my drinking and the beautiful state of Texas decided to send me to prison for 10 years. Mm. I was just turned 21. It was in mm. uh, 1993. And it, after spending, during those 10 years, I got introduced to one of those 12-step programs. And a man there who had, who drank the way I drank. And, uh, but he ended up stopping through this 12-step program. Uh, uh, so it, you were able to do it at the, pr- the prison? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that was, you know, uh, the, that was the best thing that happened to me. You know, the, I tell people that the worst day in my life is, is when I realized I had a drinking solution. It wasn't a problem. It was my solution to everything. And then realizing that I couldn't drink anymore, and then what do I do next? You know, but that was the best day of my life either. What are you, what, when going back a little bit to what you're talking about, like your drinking, how did that drinking look like in detail? Like how much were you consuming at you that know, true? It, it, when I look back at it, it's, it's, it's like a, not that it changed me because it's the truth. Like I drank a lot, yeah. like a lot. Like it, it gets to the point that you start hiding drinks. Mm. You know, you start hiding bottles uh, because your family gets on you. You know, yeah. they're keeping an eye on you. And now you're, you know, I ended up breaking the law before I ended up going to prison, and they put me on probation. And and now I had somebody, I had a report to, and then I had yeah. my family member looking at me, and and and, and their intentions are always great. They want to help, but when you're in that, when I'm in that situation that I can't stop drinking, and it scares me, and then I got people pressuring me, like I take it like they're trying to hurt me. But in the end, they mm. were just trying to help me. Yeah. My mom went and reported me to the probation office, mm. telling them you need to do something with this man because, you mm. know, he can't stop. He's still doing these things, and and I got angry. Was it one of those things where uh, you were drinking like early in the morning? Oh yeah, I would, you know. But you know, you see me. You know, it's like people see me today there, and I tell them, you know, when I get close to them, because I don't advertise this uh, yeah. as I'm doing it right now. Uh, you know, when I tell them I spent 10 years in prison, they're like, no, you didn't, because they see me today, and they're yeah. like, oh, yeah. They're not. And that's the same thing when I was drinking. You know, people, they couldn't, not that they couldn't tell. In the, in, during the day, you couldn't tell. At night, yeah, at the house, like, I'm done. Like, I'm already mm. drunk. Uh, but I was like a functioning alcoholic, man. I'd mm-hmm. go to work. I had a job, you know, I, but sooner or later, it, it stops working, and yeah. and you get sloppy and sloppy, and 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 there were days I wanted to stop. There were days that I would ask God, like, and and not that He couldn't, but I needed to do something. I just didn't know what to do, and that's what would scare me. When my mom would be like, "What's wrong with you? Like, you have a good thing going. You've got a great girl. Mm-hmm. You've got a good opportunities. Like, why oh. can't you just stop drinking?" Yeah. And I'm like, I can stop. You know, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, can you? Yeah. Why can't I? Mm-hmm. Got in trouble with the law. The judge is like, Victor, you did great on this program. Awesome. All you got to do is stop drinking. Don't drink. And I, I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. You see, I didn't know I couldn't. Mm. Three months later, I'm right back at it. And, and so what scary. does it feel like? I know that. What does it feel like whenever you're trying to quit and you can't? Is it? 
Like, is your body telling, your body physically telling you, I need alcohol in my system? The, the, the best way that I can explain it is the way it was explained to me, and, and I'm not a doctor, I'm not a counselor, I'm not yeah. an attorney. I got to give all these things. You know? And my yeah. experience is, is like I said, if, if I came to the point that I really, really wanted to control my drinking, if you invite me to your house to drink and I'm like, look, I'm going to go to Irvin's house, I'm going to have two beers, and that's it. That's mm. it. Everything. I'm just going to go in there and, and then I can't. Like by the time I know it, I'm making a scene at your house. You're mm. kicking me out and we're good friends and I'm embarrassing everybody. Mm. You know, when that happens or when I say I'm not going to drink anymore, I don't care what it is. I got a family. I, I don't want to go to prison, you know, and I'm not going to drink. And I end up drunk. You know, that's when mm. it starts. It started scaring me because. I would see all the things that I was trading for this alcohol. Yeah. You know, it's, people say I lost. No, I didn't lose anything. I, I, I just couldn't stop. Mm. And then when, when, when you're not used to or taught or feel confident enough to go ask for help, yeah. that's, that's the other part. You know, because people tell you, why can't you stop? They make it seem like something's wrong with you. Yeah. Something was wrong with me. It's an illness. Yeah. And that's what they always explained to me. I heard a gentleman explain it to a judge once. She said, it's like if you take a whole box of X-lax, the digestive thing, if you take a mm. whole box of X-lax, and then as soon as you take it, I come to you and I say, if you love your family, don't go to the bathroom. Uh, it's too late. Yeah. You see, that's the thing that happens with alcohol. Once I put it in my body, it's too late. Mm -hmm. the, the obsession like that's all I think mm -hmm. about that's it and I think know? a lot of people uh, today you know uh, I was telling you that uh, these conversations aren't happening uh, in a public forum about alcoholism like they should be um, and I see people on social media you know constantly drinking and people mm -hmm. are young so they think that they're invincible and stuff not knowing how how it can impact their bodies in my personal relation to you know alcoholism you know my alcoholism ran through my family for decades you know and my father died of alcoholism he got cirrhosis of the liver and he passed away that way and just people in my family just just drink all the time I didn't really start drinking until I was like 25 uh, years old but even then uh, I don't know if it's just my because uh, I'm, I'm I'm naturally a paranoid person like I'm always going to the doctor to get checked for everything yeah. doing blood work everything so I'm always telling myself like nope you can't drink on this day yeah nope can drink and I don't and I don't do it like I'll be like I'm not drinking on Monday I'm not drinking on Tuesday yeah. I'm not drinking through all these days and and I and I tend to follow that but when you don't follow it those days where you don't follow you're like do I have a problem yeah did I the fact that I just went to this uh, Mexican restaurant and I ordered two margaritas instead of one yeah like is is this is this becoming an issue um so a lot of the times you know I don't I don't necessarily tiptoe that line too much but I do think about it a lot just because of the history of yeah. alcoholism in my family. Um, is that something that, that I think you, t you, you told me that, that you were thinking, like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to drink this day or I'm oh, not yeah. going to do that? You know, it, it, and it is, it's, it's been, a, you know, today science has got so many advances, man, that, that it, it is kind of proven that it is, I can't say that word, hereditary. Hereditary? You know? yeah. yeah, it passes on to your, my dad had a drinking uh, and drug thing, you know. Mm. Uh, um, and, even, and, and that's where I go back to even seeing that. I remember going to high school, my first week in high school, I was a freshman, and my mom's dropping me off at the school, and she's telling me, mijo, please, please stay out of trouble. Mm. Please don't start with the drinking and the drugs. You know, I, I'm dealing with your dad. 
Mm. I don't need you to add any more of this. Yeah. And you know how we are with our moms. You know, my mom is is, is the everything. Same. And I'm telling her mom, like, you don't have to worry. Like, I see it. I see my dad. I see how his behavior affects us, not only financially, mm. but at the house, how we feel. We can't bring friends over because we don't know how he's acting, mm. you know. All this. So you don't have anything to worry about. Next thing I know, I'm I'm worse. Oof. You know, and... and you know, uh, I don't want to, for me, we're not against drinking. Like, yeah. I'm not, if, if my family drinks. They come yeah. over to my house. You know, we don't have, we don't drink. Me and my wife, we don't drink. Uh, so, but people drink around us, and it, it's it's not, it is, that's not something that bothers us. You've you gone know? past that point now where it doesn't oh, yeah. affect and, you, you know, that I, much? I, the, the other way, scenario that I can do is if you're diabetic and I'm eating a piece of cake, like, I don't care. That's, that's, that's you. Yeah. You know, I don't ask, are you diabetic? Are you diabetic? Because I'm going to eat yeah. this candy. Like, no, I'm going <laughs> to eat that candy because... And that's the way I feel when people drink, you know. It, it, sometimes when they know why I don't drink or, or, or the reasons that, uh, that I don't drink, I don't like sharing it because I don't want to ruin your good time. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're drinking and having a great time, mm-hmm. you don't want to hear what happened to me. That's going to ruin your whole night, you yeah. know. I want you to have fun. So, mm-hmm. we're, like, I just wanted to point out that I'm not against people who drink. I, I just can't drink. How long mm-hmm. did it take you cause whenever you were trying to quit drinking? And, and obviously... In prison, you can't drink, right? Oh, there might be some ways. Yeah, there yeah, might I'm be some ways. You, you, find out, you find these recipes with yeast, uh, starch, some sugar. Yeah. You put it up for a few days, let it breathe, and, and there's hooch, man. Like, How long know. did it take you to um, uh, get that feeling out of, out of you of wanting to drink when you were going through that program? You know, it, it, it happens automatically. That's the beautiful thing about, about anything. You know, uh, uh, anything I do, it's like exercising. You know, uh, I don't agree with exercising. I think it's dumb to pay somebody a lot of money to make me lift heavy stuff up and down. Yeah. I think that, you know, to me that's dumb. But if I want to be fit and I want to have those big arms like yeah. those men do, that's what I got to do. Mm-hmm. So I- as long as I'm doing, th- I can complain about it. I can tell you how it's not. But if I'm showing up to the gym, I'm getting under that exercise bench and I'm doing the physical work, by the time I know it in 30, 40 days, I'm gonna notice a difference. Yeah, like yeah. I'm gonna walk by a mirror and I'm be like, "Damn, is it? Like, <laughs> like well, you got big, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you know, you're looking. And then once you start doing it, you get a little bit more confidence, and then you keep on doing it. Not because you have to, because it's, it becomes a part of your life. Same thing with the with the with the alcohol and, and going through these twelve step programs. Is is one? I, I started in the beginning at, the, at one, and, and by the time I know it, you know, I've taken action that automatically changes the way I behave and the way I treat people mm-hmm. and the way I feel about myself. And the more I do it, the better I feel. And then by mm-hmm. the time you know it, I haven't had a b- thought about drinking in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, the obsession is gone. It happens automatically. Uh, mm-hmm. It does take a while. You know, could I go to a bar and listen to my friend play on his band the first year? Probably not. Not by myself. No. No, but that's why, you know, you, you know, Aaron, you yeah. know, I, like I told you, I feel like everybody should have some kind of mentor in their life, yeah. a group of people, not only a group of people that, that, that are there for you. So if I want to go see my friend uh, play in his band at George's mm-hmm. and they serve alcohol, like I might invite three or four friends to go with me that are just like me. We don't drink, mm-hmm. but we want to have a good time. Mm-hmm. We want to go support our friend. We want to go dance. You know, we're human beings. We just don't drink. Uh, so that's what I start doing. Now, today, can I go by myself? And my, yeah. Mm. Do I want to go every weekend to play pool? No. No, <laughs> that's not my lifestyle today, you know. 
and it just changes. You know, you start exercising. You, I was gonna ask you if you trans what like what you transitioned into to kind of not replace, but to kind of get well, your mind. You know what, what what ends up happening? I believe is is is, and I'm not a, like I've told you before. I'm not a super religious person, but I do believe there's something out there that that guides me and, and protects me. And you know, I, I choose to call it a god. Uh, and I believe I just become the person that I was intended to be. You know, mm. be be the, the the I wasn't I didn't have kids back then, but you know, be the son that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Be the brother. Learn how to be a good friend. Somebody that you can depend on. Somebody that you can trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think that's that's what you end up becoming. It, it's a big transition because, you know, when you're in that kind of lifestyle, and I don't want you to think like I'm a gangster. No, no, I was just <laughs> a dolphin or an alcoholic. Yeah. Man. Put myself in weird situations. You know, I lied to my family. I, I disrespected my dad. Look him in the face and lie. Stole from him. Mm. You know, and, and when you when that thing finally catches up to you and you start realizing the pain that you caused, yeah. not only the pain that you caused to people, but the pain that you cause to the people that 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 you're everything to, you know, uh, that you love, that they love you unconditionally, when you that shame can kill you, man. Mm-hmm. And, and and left to my own devices, there's nothing I can do to make up for that. Mm-hmm. But when I turn to this new way of life, it automatically happens. I talked mm-hmm. to my mom. You know, the reason I came to Arkansas, because I'm a gangster, after I got out of prison, mm-hmm. my mom's like, come live with me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, I moved in with my mom at 31 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and and today, the relationship that I have with my mom is... Well, she's seen the growth. Oh, yeah. She's you seen know, the whole, and, the whole and, thing. In the beginning, yeah. you know, even though I spent 10 years in prison, you know, it was hard to trust. Yeah. Because I, I tell people, this thing right here, mm. it'll say anything. Yeah. This mouth will say anything. But people get tired when you let them down. Or, or mm. and even if I meant I'm gonna stop drinking, I'm gonna act right, and then three weeks later I'm right back at it, mm. and then I'm right back at it, and then I'm right. I keep on the people, you know. After at some point they don't believe you, uh, but through through the work and, and through staying on a on a path, and, and basically what it is is just sticking to some principles, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we were talking. Me and you were talking before this. We started this, and there's things that happen in our lives sometimes that that make you aware of what's really important. Mm-hmm. You know, spending those 10 years in prison, uh, be- being able to be, these things start leaking. Mm. You know, being able to be that son. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to be that friend, you know, when I think about it, like, what am I complaining about? Mm-hmm. Gas prices. Yeah. You know, nah, you know. I've, so I've many given, blessings. So many, man, you know, uh, uh, so many. and. and and don't get me wrong, I'm still a human being. I like nice things, mm. you know. I, I, I still, uh, you know, I'm still selfish sometimes and all that. But it, it, when it all comes down to it, give, uh, realizing and accepting this opportunity that I've been given, you know, you try to do the best of it. And, and it's not about a social status. It's not about how many toys I can have. It, it's it's really of making a difference. Yeah. You know? And I think one of the important things. Um, that that you said about you know about your mother like that that hits me because I I you know I never had a journey like you had but at the same time you know how how blessed we are to have you know mothers in our life yeah. that don't give up on us I feel like I don't know if if it's the same situation for you but my mom is the only person in my life that it doesn't matter what I do she's she would still like she would still open her door for me she would still uh, give me a hug she would still 
uh, love me. It doesn't matter what I do. And to have that unconditional love, you know, in, in whatever difficult journey we have in life is priceless, you know? You know, and when we're young, we, we I didn't see it. I'm going to say me. When I was young, I didn't see it. Like, we were talking, you know, we were migrant workers. We, we you know, while most of my friends in their summers, they went to go visit family. You know, we were going up to the north working on the fields, whether it's strawberries, detasseling corn, onion, or tomato fields, you know, and and and... I had a little bit of resentment on my mom because in my family because we didn't have that kind of money. But yeah. it wasn't there for I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and now the older that I get and I see the sacrifices. You know, even when I was in prison and you know, my mom came to Arkansas out of necessity, you know, and she was working at a chicken plant, mm. hanging chickens. Mm. While I'm in prison acting like a gangster, Oof. she's hanging these chickens in these chicken plants and mm. then on Friday she'd get off of work, drive eleven hours to Texas see me on Saturday for four hours, spend mm. her hard-earned money on a hotel, see me Sunday for four hours, Oof. then drive back to be at that chicken plant. Was that it, a big motivator for oh, you? Oh, man, when I would see there? my mom, you know, the, the get older while I was in prison. Mm. And I was there for 10 years, and I see her hands all swollen, and I remember holding her hands and telling her, Mom, you know, when I get out, if God gives me this opportunity, all I want to do is is make you proud of me. Like, mm. do whatever I can. And, and when I got out, you know, I'm still a human being, but uh, to, it took me about two years, and she didn't. She stopped working there. You know, she wasn't hanging chickens, but you know, she ended up. Great. My thing about my mom—they're hard workers, man. And mm. you know, she after she ended up working her way up to be quality control at that job. Mm. But but even then, like she uh, took me two years. She doesn't work there no more. No, she doesn't have a life of luxury. We don't have that kind of money, but. You know, she takes care of my kids, and she gets her little uh, Social Security checks. So, mm. You know, and I see her today. You know, I, uh, we go have lunch at least once a week, and I call her every day. And, yeah. and, and she sees anyway. It, it, it's the older I get, I know I know there's gonna be a day that I'm gonna get that call, or, mm-hmm. or and it scares me to be honest. But oh, yeah, but like you said, we're blessed mm-hmm. to have to have people like that believe in us, man. It's, yeah. Without people like that, we wouldn't get where we're at. Exactly. I'm sorry, I, I rambled on about no. other hey, things. Hey, this is what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, for, for the people that are listening in right now who might be questioning if, ha- if they have a problem or not, um, were there, um, besides what you mentioned, you mentioned hiding alcohol. Yeah. Uh, any other any other things you can think of that when that can kind of be like, okay, this might be a red flag as to that maybe I need to stop or get or get help. You know. There's an old joke in, in these 12 step program it says if, if 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 I think I have a problem I probably do, you know. Mm. If, if I think I have what about a permanent person like me though? Because I always <laughs> think I have problems when well, I don't. Yeah, well, here's the here's the the, the I literally think I'm dying every yeah. every every time something's wrong with my body. Stuff. Yeah. I, I ended up having some kind of flu stuff. I googled it. Next thing I know, I'm all scared for a oh. whole day, you know, because I think I've got all these diseases. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the the simple definition, I believe, of what we go by is if I want to control my drinking, if I say I'm going to go to your place, have two beers, and I end up can't, you know, that might be a flag that I might need to have a conversation with somebody. Or if I tell myself I'm not going to drink for a month. Yeah. You know, normal people can do that. Normal people can, they don't even think about it. Mm. Or if every time I drink, I get drunk. Mm. You know, uh, my brother will come. We'll go out there to the bar, and he'll be playing pool, and he'll have one beer, and let it sit there, and it gets hot. And I'm like, amigo, like <laughs> you're wasting that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're not, you don't know how to drink. You gotta drink yeah. that. You know, and normal people don't think like that. They they can uh, leave a beer there and 
drink half, drink a quarter. They don't even, it's, it's nothing. The, yeah. the only uh, hint like that what you just said that I can relate to myself was that I said to myself, you know what, November, I'm not going to drink at all. I'm going to do no shave November, uh, and I'm not going to drink at all. But then I was like, wait, election day is yeah. on November 8th? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Thanksgiving? Thinking, yeah. Not that I celebrate Thanksgiving, yeah. but time with my family on November 24th, like, and no alcohol. Like, I, and, and I'm like, okay. You know, and it, 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 it's not necessarily a problem. It can turn into a problem. But, but uh, you know, it's good to somebody. You know, you know, so most religions fast. They'll fast. They'll give up something for 40 days, whether yeah. it's Hanukkah, whether it's... A Ramadan or whether it's Easter. La Quaresma. You know, la Quaresma. Like everybody gives up something. And, mm-hmm. and, and it is good to find out. And it's not the end of the world. I remember thinking like, I'm never going to drink again. And it's, it's, it's not never. It's just, it's just today. Yeah. The bad, the bad thing is like Quaresma falls during my birthday. I might have to do something else besides yeah. alcohol, but. It's 39 days, <laughs> not, not 40. Yeah. Like, like Quaresma, I've done like no meat, yeah. which was tough for 40 yeah. days. Like I was, I got so skinny. I lost like 40 pounds. You felt great, right? I felt great. Yeah. yeah I gave then, up, I gave up beef and pork for two years and oh. I ate chicken, fish and all. I mean, I ate. But it's, if it was like, it, it, just beef and pork, no beef and pork, and I felt great. And then I ate a burger and haven't stopped since. You know, <laughs> beef is, like, pork I try to stay away oh, from because yeah. it's, it's really bad for oh, you. Yeah. Beef is bad for you, too, but, like, pork is, is even more bad for you. So I try to stay away from it. But for two years, you probably felt amazing after oh, I that, I felt right? amazing. You know, it's like when I started exercising. I'll mm-hmm. go to the, after work, I'll go to the park at McDonald's Park. There's Patos ahí in Springdale because mm-hmm. I'm from Springdale. Uh Walk a couple of miles and I'll do that for a week straight. I feel great, mm-hmm. and then I stop. Yeah, and that's the part that I never get. Like, why do you stop? If if you feel mm-hmm. great, you know, I feel like a preacher. But you know, it, it's like the, the the scariest word that I've got used to hearing is sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like I gotta work towards something. I gotta either give something up in order for me to get something better. Yeah, I gotta sacrifice time. I gotta sacrifice money. I gotta sacrifice something. Give up something that I think I want for something that I think I need. So, yeah. so I think giving the sacrifice, whether it's giving up time on the couch watching TV to go exercise, mm-hmm. you know, uh, once I see the results for some reason, like I don't want to keep doing it. But it's mm-hmm. I think it's a struggle for everybody. Definitely, you definitely. Know? I struggle with that. I'm trying to get trying to get more like I'm good with the exercise part. The eating part is the most difficult part. It's not that I'm a horrible eater, but I can eat way better than I do. Oh, that's the biggest temptation. Yeah. You and know? it's and I know there's programs like Noom and all these oh, different yeah. programs that's supposed to help you. I don't know, maybe I need to go that route, but uh it is it is important to to try to like do what's best for your body, whether that being walking like yeah. you like you said or or other things, just the, what we eat and stuff. Um, I wanted to ask you: Did you ever uh, do uh, Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, that's the one of it's the part twelve of it? step program. That's the twelve step program. That's so the like original a, twelve step program. So you have to tell. I've I've been to one before, not for myself, but like yeah. I went. I think I went to like accompany my dad back in the day yeah. to one. And uh, y- y- when you go to those, you have to be very. Um, willing to you know to put your like guards down right and and when it's your turn you know talk about what you're struggling with how was that experience for you you know in the beginning like i said it's scary but my suggestion is if i ever if if anybody ever goes to one of these 12-step programs for the first week just listen look for the similarities 
you know, me and you sitting right here, if I look for differences, we're going to argue about something all day long. Yeah. But if I look at the similarities, you know, whether it's we both have children, we both are married, we both own a house, and then work off of that, you know. So when you go to, when I go to these meetings, what, what attracted me the most was the people who talked about the way they drank, the way they failed, and mm. I could relate to that. Mm. The wanting to stop, I can't. Mm-hmm. The feeling like, hey, you know, I, I got a little girl, or my wife is going to leave me, or I'm going to get fired if they catch mm. me again, or I'm going to prison. And next thing you know, I'm right back at it. Yeah. So when somebody would explain that, and then they're already on the other side. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in prison, the, the 12-step meeting there, Sonny, Sonny Casares, who's my mentor still, uh, he used to bring people from the free world into that prison that were in prison. You know, I get the opportunity to go some of the prisons, uh, not the one that I've been to, but I go to county jails, I've been to prisons, and tell them my story, and they can read, because I've been there. I, no. I sat there as a as a convict or an inmate, depending on what you call it, listening to somebody tell the story, and now I get to come back. So mm. when you see the success, you you know, it, it, it's, that's why they say one alcoholic reaching another. There's yeah. nothing like it. There's nothing like it, you know. Uh, and and they and they have an answer. That's the mm. other part. Like they have an answer. It's not like maybe this is gonna work, or you know, try it. Let's see what happens. No, this works. <laughs> like I said, it's like exercise. Yeah. If you go out there and you do the physical labor on the gym, you're gonna notice a difference. Because it's like you are you were in that same point A where they're at, yes. and now you're at point B, and you're like, I was at the same point exactly. you're at. Exactly. And then what helps, you know, the, the the trick in I believe in 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 this one of the secrets of this world that's not a secret is the best way that I can learn something is by reteaching it to somebody. Mm-hmm. That's why when I go in there, I have somebody that helps me, and then when I get to a spot, then I turn around and help somebody else. Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, we're, it's a lifestyle. We're here to help. We're not here to tell you what to do. We're not marriage counselors. We don't, we don't tell people who to marry, who to leave. Or yeah. our, our job is if you have a problem with drinking, you're trying to stop, we're here to help. And and we're not against, you know, people, are, I'm not against people who drink or yeah. bars. You don't see uh, people picketing a bar, don't open up. No, that's not, that's not in our business. Our only business is if you need help, we're here to help. Yeah, and that's kind of the tone that I wanted to to put across in this podcast yeah. episode. It's not like not, drinking isn't wrong. We're I gonna want to say that. It's, it's, we're gonna tell you here how, why you shouldn't yeah, drink. You or know, because you know or you shouldn't or you hide it or no. Funny fact though, because Wednesday is my my day where I drink a, a Fireball and Coke. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday's my day, so yes, like day. I ain't telling you not not drink if nah. I'm gonna be taking a a drink here and there, but. Uh, I, I do at least want to put the education out there for folks yeah. that, you know, that have been thinking about this and maybe they feel embarrassed to tell anybody that they have a problem, that they're going through, through several situations that can, you know, ultimately impact their life, you know, so much like it did to my dad, like it did to my to, dad. Yeah. You know, uh, even me, you know, the reason I ended up in prison was because of drinking. That's that's all it was. Uh, uh, and, and but it, it's scary because, like I said, you, I, I have I know that the only way this is going to work is for me to be completely honest. Yeah. And to me to go back, you know, because like one of my, ex- I don't know how much time we have, but the, one of the examples that I have is I, I used to have a resentment against my dad because mm-hmm. I always felt that he didn't do this or he didn't do that or no. X amount. You know how spoiled boys are. And when I talked to my mentor about this, he's like, well, let's, let's look at you. You know, what kind of son were you? Mm. You know? Yeah. Did you ever lie to him? And I'm like, well, yeah. 
Did you ever embarrass him? Yeah. Did you ever steal from him? Yeah. Did you ever hurt the people that he loves? Yeah, I was mean to my mom. You know, mm-hmm. and when I started realizing that, then, then it's, then the next step is I got to be honest about that, not only to my mentor, but to everybody, because everybody knows. Yeah. And then I have to face that, and that's the scary part, that I have to face mm-hmm. the things that I've done. I can't be like, well, you started it, you know, or it's <laughs> your fault. That's why I, no, it's like admit when I was wrong, see what I can do to correct it, and then move on. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, you know, I'm not going to be a, a, a punching bag either. Like, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to see what I can do, what's right, and then I move on. So that's that's the other. It's not only about the drinking. It, it, it's not, now I have to face all the damage that I've done. Yeah, face yourself. And a lot of it. And it's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, but one thing I like to say is if, if, if you're listening to this and, and you feel like you want to talk about it, give me a call. You know, uh, uh, I'm always here to help. And one thing that, that I saw right off the bat is that I don't have to do this alone. Mm-hmm. There's a, a lot of men out there, a lot of women who, who've been through what I've been, and, and they can't do it for me, but they're there. Like, when it's devastating, when it's scary, when it's uh, hard, mm-hmm. you know, uh, courage, like you say, is not being unafraid, it's being afraid and still doing it. Mm-hmm. Afraid of the consequences, afraid of whatever's going to happen. You know. And I think, you know, when I, when I think about your story, I, I think uh, obviously uh, things happen for a reason comes into, into mind. But also uh, I feel like your story, your testimony uh, can have such a, a big impact because, one, you're a Latino man talking oh. about this. Latino men don't talk about oh, this yeah. kind of stuff. Right. Oh, we don't you, like I like we joked around like, oh, you're depressed. Take a shot. Take a oh, shot. yeah. You have a sore throat. Take a shot. Yeah. All these different things that lead to alcohol. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then and, and, and unfortunately, you know, our parents, you know, uh, tell us these kind of things and they think that they're not doing any harm. They think they're just being funny or yeah. that that's literally what they used as a solution for their for their trauma. Um, but your role in the community, I think, is important. And I think can have a big impact, you know, on how uh, people of color, Latino men specifically, uh, can start being a little bit more outspoken about what their issues are, um, just the same way they should be outspoken about like, their mental health and all these yeah. different things, all these things that are taboo in our community, you know, and I think the, the if, if you believe in a God, you know, I feel like God uh, puts you in this position for a reason. Yeah, and... and when 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 I find myself in a situation, that not, not only am I not alone, like I, I'm giving a roadmap of, of what to do. Yeah. And people always ask me, like, I, I'm not that I've been asked, like, how do you know what God's will is? Well, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. If, if when I was sitting in that cell in prison, if you would have told me, Victor, you're going to end up working as a title agent, uh, doing closings for a title company, and then sooner or later opening up your title company. I would have looked at you like you were crazy because mm-hmm. I didn't even know what title was. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to if I stick to some principles, I end up in the spot that's best for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about this business. I remember Elite Title gave me a shot, Carlite Elite, and, and she told me, she goes, if you steal from me, you just go to prison. Mm-hmm. But if you learn this, you can make a business out of it. Yeah. You can make a career, and, and this is where I'm at. So. Uh, for me, it, it's it's not only it, it's doing doing what I need to be doing, whether I believe in it or not. You yeah, know? And, and getting that roadmap. Uh, and talking about your your title company, you started Natural State Title. What year was it? Two thousand nineteen. First 2019. Hispanic 
Brown owned title company. There's a, a couple more, I think, right now. But uh, I think we were the first ones in the state of Arkansas, you know. And Located then, between Springdale and Fayetteville, uh, right? have, Yes, we have an office in Springdale, one in Bentonville, and then one in Farmington. You were the title agent when we bought our house. Yeah, <laughs> right. <I appreciate laughs> yeah, you and Eduardo and Angel, yeah. man. You, guys, you, know, and, you did a great job. So yeah, anybody I, that's listening out there, you need a title agent, well, hit up Victor. We appreciate it. And, and, and that's what I tell people. Our motto is we're here to serve, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're parents as far as their English was but I was the translator growing up yeah me too at eight nine years old translating business mm-hmm. these deals for my parents and we got screwed because mm-hmm. these people were Taking communicating advantage. with an eight-year-old nine-year-old yeah. so for me when I tell people like stop by the office if you need if you need a notary like we can help you and and a lot of times we don't even charge because we're just trying to be helpful you mm-hmm. know because uh, uh, when you know how that feels Mm-hmm. When when you've seen and, and experienced how that feels, I, for me, like, I can't help but want somebody to avoid doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I have a meeting today with this lady who's buying some property for sale by owner from somebody, mm-hmm. and they have them. Anyway, so try to avoid them giving up their hard-earned money on something, mm-hmm. making sure that they're safe. So we're, we're always here to help. And, and I feel like life has blessed you, too, because oh, of yeah. all the good things that you do, you know, the, I believe in good karma. I'm not sure if you believe oh, in good I've, karma, yes. but I've, yeah. I've, I've experienced good karma. I always get blessings upon blessings. And, and if you continue to put out energy like, like you're doing, like you're going to continue to get blessed. I, 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 I'm a servant, and mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. You know, uh, 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 well, we're talking about doing God's will. You know, I don't know what it is, but I know what it's not. Mm. I know that if it involves me lying to you, cheating you, conning you, manipulating you, or taking advantage, that that's not right in my eyes. So yeah. if, if I start doing that, I'm not going to end up in the right place. So I don't know what God's will is, but I know what it's not. Mm. So if I stick to these principles of being honest, looking for the interest of other people, you know, of course, without harming myself, uh, yeah. it, it seems to work out. Mm. You know, we, we have people that I've been doing. Eduardo, I met him when he started, yeah. an angel, and, and they're loyal customers we're friends you know because mm-hmm. we, we see each other we see what we're trying to do i'm not trying to be rich out of people i'm yeah. trying to provide a service and same thing you're doing right mm-hmm. here definitely know? you know of course if money comes i appreciate it but, <laughs> if we got a sponsor on the but, radio why yeah, not right <laughs> but it, it, it's it's like i want to be a service i, mm-hmm. I want to be helpful i don't want to cause fights yeah i want to educate people that's the thing if somebody takes the time to teach me something, like I'm going to listen because they're taking the time to teach me something. Yeah. So if we can educate, I'm going to say our people, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Definitely. Awesome. That's the best thing that somebody can do for me. Teach me something mm-hmm. and I can teach it to somebody else. It's. Mm-hmm. And where can people reach you? Like, Do you have an email? Where if, oh, Victor if, at Natural State Title. And my cell number is 479-799-3395. So if someone me. wants to reach you for yeah. either guidance or Anything. or like a Maybe speaking engagement. Maybe just want to go get a cup of coffee and talk, man. I think you need to get out there more and get yeah. some, some more. Uh, people need to hit you up for more speaking engagements. Well, I think your testimony I do. I do. I go to jails. I go mm. to prisons. I do some 12-step programs, you know, because... This, this journey that I've been, it, it, like I was telling you, if I tell you the whole story, you know, it, it's, it, it helps me see that I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. Nothing. Inflation, that's okay. Mm. <laughs> Gas prices, I get it. I, yeah. got, I get it. I got a small family, it's three of us, you know. Uh, milk went from $1 to $1,000. I get yeah. it. But, you know. Still alive, the still grand breathing. scheme of things, it, it's when you, you know, uh, what changed my life is I had to hit my knees and ask for help. Mm. 
and to get to that point is is life changing. And once yeah. I got to that point, and I realized, like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't have no idea. And then people came and helped me, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Like it changes your life. It it, it has to. It, it it has to. And it's today, you know, I, I, uh, I'm an American. I, I I see the problems and I see all that's going on. And and my job is to raise my kids right, teach them about principles, treat people with love and respect, and and and, and keep just keep doing that. That I, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, we I had to go through what I had to go through. <clears throat> I believe in order to live the life that I have today, you know. Definitely. But, but it's 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 an honor, man, and yeah. it's, it's a blessing. I'm, I'm, I'm living on borrowed time, I tell <laughs> people, you know. I should have died that night, you know. Yeah. Uh, Things happen for a reason. There's a reason why you're still here. There's a reason why yeah. you'll continue to helping people just like the people that are listening on this in this podcast. Uh, and I'm excited to see what you do in the future, you know. Like I said, uh, make sure that if you need a, a title agent, hit a Victor, a natural it. state title. What's the address? You know the address? Uh, 4700 South Thompson Street, Suite B105. We're across the street from the country club. Mm. If you want to play golf, let's go play some golf. <laughs> I love playing golf. Or if you need some some guidance or want to reach out to, to Victor for uh, speaking engagements, what would be the email again, Victor? Uh, Victor at naturalstatetitle.com. And my cell number is 479-799-3395. Victor, once again, thank you for joining us today. Hey, I really appreciate me, you making this the time. Awesome, this is going to help people. Uh, and uh, and I'm just, I love your testimony. And like I said, I'm excited to see what you do next. So well, thank you for it, your man. time. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That was episode 163 of the District 3 podcast. My name is Irvin, signing off. Mm-hmm.